So today we are going to be continuing in our series on judgment, mercy, and forgiveness. And today we are going to be looking at forgiveness. And uh, yeah, we have seen these uh, three areas. If you're just joining us today for the first time, uh, three areas in the Bible where we learn that we give, we get only as much as we give. And we talked about judgment uh, three weeks ago, and that God you know, expects us. Uh, we have a duty to judge sin. Not people, but sin. And we talked also last week about mercy, and that mercy triumphs over judgment, and that God has been merciful to us in abundance in mercy, and we need to pass that on. And we talked about practical ways in which we can pass that mercy on to people around us. And God has provided um, an expression of his mercy and his love for us on the cross. And uh, yeah, if, like I said, if you're watching, uh, worshiping with us for the first time, or if you were here last week, you can also still catch up on all the sermons on Spotify or on Apple or your Android phones. If you look for the podcast app that you have, by default, you can find IBCD in it. So we are everywhere. Today, we are going to be continuing with the theme of forgiveness. And Jesus thought that we, can, that we are only forgiven our sins when we forgive others. In Matthew 6, from verse 14 and 15, we are told, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right? Like, in really plain English. Like, there's no parable here. Jesus was not mincing words. And I find it interesting that this comes also immediately after the Lord's Prayer. And so this is when the disciples had just asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he teaches them to pray. And then this comes, like, take note, if you forgive others their sins, you will be forgiven. And if you do not, you will not. Forgiveness is one area, like, in my life personally as well, where I find we never stop growing, like many areas of our Christian work. There's always a, a deeper place where God can call us to, you know, where, you know, some people maybe are by nature let go of things easily and things like that. But I've also always found that, you know, even when I think, oh, yeah, it's good and everything is fine, I'm chill, and then God allows circumstances into my life that call me deeper and, like, challenges something, and it's like, yeah, how about that? Like, deal with that. What kind of forgiveness are you giving? And to forgive, according to the dictionary, is basically to stop being angry with, like, say, someone who has done something wrong. Or to stop being angry about something that someone has done. Like, this is what you find in the Cambridge Dictionary if you open it. And in the Bible, forgiveness is a very central characteristic of God in his dealing with us human beings. Because... I believe that, you know, the Bible tells us even before the creation of the world, God had already created a plan of salvation. He had laid it out. Because God knew that by creating beings who have agency, who have, you know, free will, you know, who can love. You know, to be able to really love means you must be able to have the choice not to. And God in his mercy, even before he created us, before the foundations of the world were laid, and laid out a path for our, forgiveness, for our forgiveness. We see throughout the Old Testament that whenever the people would sincerely repent and turn to God, he would forgive their sin and restore them. As merciful as Jesus is in the New Testament, it's the same way that God is merciful in the Old Testament. And sometimes we need to read closely to see it, because it's easier to get caught up with all the things in the Old Testament that from our perspective a few thousand years later look like, whoa, that's harsh. But you look over and over, like a few weeks ago, 
we got through in the Thursday Bible study online, which everyone is welcome to join, by the way. Um, we went through the life of Moses, and you saw the children of Israel going with God, and you just see some awesome miracle, and then the next chapter, it's like they're grumbling and complaining against God, and you're like, you know, how do you connect those two? But uh, we are no different, right? And sometimes you see God would discipline them, and other times God would just like, okay, give them what they want, and you see his mercy and his patience with them every time, over and over. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 103, which we read last week, like he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our God is exceeding in mercy. And why do we need forgiveness? Because there is judgment, right? Because we fall short, because... We are sinful. In our actions, in our thoughts, we fall short of God's righteous standards, God's moral standards, and God will not abide sin. Sin cannot dwell in his presence. God is holy. And so God's mercy, God's judgment is clear. The punishment of sin is death. But God's mercy overflows and is renewed every morning such that it leads to forgiveness. And we see the three of them walking in lockstep. And for me, realizing that made me understand even better why these three are tied together and we get only what we give. Because mercy is necessary because there is judgment. And forgiveness flows as a result of mercy. However, I think forgiveness of all three is the one area where, I don't know about you, but in my life and most people I know, where we struggle the most with reciprocity. That is, giving as much as we want to receive. For judgment, it's like, okay, we can say, yeah, I'll try not to judge, and for mercy, you know, we can be merciful. But forgiveness, and I think it's because forgiveness often touches us in a very personal way. When you've been hurt, when you've been wronged, there is a wound. It's not it's no longer about mercy in the abstract or judgment in the abstract, which is external, or judging yourself, which you can be lenient about. But this is external, coming in. We've, we usually have been wronged in some way. And that makes it hard because, yeah, we you know, tend to say, oh, God is God, but I'm just a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, and I can't forgive as God does. Right? We, we try to excuse ourselves out of the standard that Christ set, that we... We get forgiveness only as much as we give it. And if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. So we try to cut corners. Because, yeah, this forgiveness part is a struggle. It's something that touches us uh, as emotional beings on a, on a very deep level. But the Bible reminds us, and the bar that the Bible sets is high. Like when we read it and read it just plainly, like looking at... Um, Matthew 5, verse 23 says, Therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar, and there, there is at the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, if you read quickly over it, you think, yeah, just forgive and, you know, come and give your gift. But what struck me here is that it didn't say, 
that you have done something necessarily wrong to that person. If your brother or sister has something against you, go and be reconciled. That's a tall order. Right? Because what we tend to do is like, hey, my conscience is clear. I've done everything that is... I'm good, right? And Jesus is like, if you are at the altar and you remember someone has something against you, drop your gift, go be reconciled before you come back. And you're like, wow. Then this is the point where I think about God's word, which says, you know, he wants obedience, not sacrifice. In Mark 11, verse 25, the Bible tells us, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Again, notice that this does not say that the person has asked you for forgiveness yet. These are really high bars. Especially when we live by the flesh. Then we begin to think about these things and we go like, wow. But God is not asking more of us than he has done for us. How many strikes do you give the people around you when they've wronged you or hurt you? Do you forgive over and over as the Bible asks us to? As Jesus was being crucified on the cross, he prayed for those who were, while they were still hitting the nails into his hands. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We see the same in the life of Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts. As he is being stoned, he prays for forgiveness for those who are stoning him. So it is possible. It is not beyond us by the grace of God. As Jesus said, you know, humanly speaking, it is not possible, but with God, everything is possible. This, are not, this is not something that we can excuse ourselves out of and say, yeah, I, no, God cannot ask this of me. It's too much. It's, it, God can forgive, but no, God expects it because he knows he can empower us to meet this standard. And right now, for many of you listening to me, your mind has shifted to that circumstance. Or person, which is lingering not too far, not to, you've buried it maybe, but it's not too deep. And right now, you know, the Holy Spirit might be bringing it up to you. I know this because for me, even writing the sermon, the same thing happens. You might feel it's something that, ah, no, I've dealt, I've dealt with this thing, I've put it aside. Meanwhile, all you've done is just to bury it and put it, you know, just so that you can forget it. And right now, the Holy Spirit is reminding you. And you're wondering, why am I thinking about this again? I've dealt with it, but maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't dealt with it as, in the way you should. And so I would urge you not to ignore that voice, not to ignore that circumstance. You might not be as overrated as you thought. And the truth is when we bury stuff like that, we carry it along with us, even when we are unconscious of it. But other people around us experience it. You run into some people and you see just, you know, some bitterness or some, you know, you see it in our lives when we are carrying those things. The way we react to other people is out of that hurt, out of that wound. And we, again, you might be something you've buried so deep that you're not even consciously thinking about it. But it is there, eating away at your life. And I understand why we do this, right? Because 
I'm, I'm in the same pot of soup with you. True forgiveness, the way God forgives us is hard. Like, make no mistake about it. This is not a feel-good thing. This is not a thing that we just do with a snap of the fingers. True forgiveness is hard. But rather than retreat from it, from looking at this standards where Christ says when someone holds something against you, go and be reconciled. If you think about something that you have against someone, forgive them. Instead of retreating from it and trying to excuse ourselves, I believe it should challenge us to gain a deeper appreciation of the kind of forgiveness that we have received from God and continue to receive from God. Where we stumble, where we have recurring sin, and we come back and say, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And the Bible tells us, as we read in our New Testament reading, if we forgive our, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins away from us. True forgiveness is not easy. But we shall appreciate the forgiveness that God gives us and use that as motivation to pray for God to put in us the kind of heart that will be forgiven, that will pass it on. But why is forgiveness hard? And I can only draw from my life, uh, from my experiences, from my work with God, and sharing this with you. But some of the things might you know, sound familiar. And often I've found that forgiveness is hard because often, almost all the time, it means giving up your right to be angry. Because when you've been hurt, right, justice, judgment, means that, yes, you do have a right to be angry. There is a wound. And sometimes we are afraid to give, to give forgiveness because we know that when we forgive, we feel like we are letting the people off the hook. It's like, how can I just let it go? They've caused me such hurt, such anguish, and so there is a temptation to hold it over their heads, to let them feel the shame. You know, when they look at us and their eyes can meet us and they, go put, their head, they put their heads down, then yes, you feel like, yes, burn, right? That's, that's what we want. That's what the flesh screams for. Because if we forgive, it means we are giving up that right to be angry and we don't want to because we feel like they need to pay. They need to pay for what they did. And right now you might be thinking, Ngewi, you don't know what they put me through. You don't know my hurt. And you are right. Some of us sitting here, some of us listening online, have gone through hurt that others can't even imagine. And as your brother in Christ, I'm sorry about your hurt. But the truth is, forgiveness is a privilege. It doesn't feel like it. But forgiveness releases us as well. Forgiveness draws us closer to the character and nature of God. Of giving mercy. Of releasing people from that debt that is owed us. From not collecting the pound of flesh that is due us.
holding on to hurt only hurts us more. The Bible tells us in Romans 12:17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And as I mentioned earlier, forgiveness has been a journey for me. I remember some years ago, this used to be something where you were really like, okay, I'm going to forgive, but God, you need to bring down the fire on them. You know, it's like, you need to, I'm leaving room for your wrath. I'm only stepping back because I know you're going to do it better, right? Like, God, I'm just going to give, make room for you. And over time, God challenged me to wish them well, to pray for God to withhold his wrath from them. And you're like, okay, that's, a, that's another request. That's a tall order. But over time, I realized that, and I would be honest with God in those times. I would tell God, like, God, um, it was a struggle for me. I said, God, I don't, I'm not feeling this at all. I don't want them to, I don't want it to be well with them. But because you ask me to, I will pray it. Because God already knows our hearts. Offering God insincere prayers, I find. And that was for me something that revolutionized my prayer life also. Realizing that God already knows my heart. And I cannot bring lip service to him. So it helps to be honest. And I'll just tell God, God, I'm not feeling this thing. But I'm going to pray it. And I'll pray for their well-being. And at the beginning, it was just words. It was just words. But as I kept praying it and acting upon it, I realized that God transformed my heart and put feelings there for them that I didn't imagine I would ever feel. Compassion, empathy, pity for their pain. And that breath a new fresh of, uh, gave a new breath of fresh air in me and released me in ways that I couldn't imagine. Your hurt is deep, I know. I don't, actually I don't. I don't know what you're going through. But when God demands these things of us, it's because God is always looking out for what is best for us. And whenever we sin, whenever we disobey God, it's because at the root of it, we believe that we know better. That God does not want what is ultimately best for us. But he does. He does. So yes, forgiveness means giving up our right to be angry. But it's so that we can be, it can be replaced with something much, much better. The mercy of God, the character of Christ. Another reason why sometimes it's really hard to forgive is because we fear that it would minimize our hurt or our pain. Say, if I forgive them, if I just let it go, then everybody else who think, ah, oh, it was not such a big deal. Everybody else who they talk to will feel like, oh, I made a big fuss. I was hurt for nothing. So we don't want to, we want to hold on to it. We want to talk about it to people. Say, we don't know what this person did to me. And to be clear, forgiveness is not about minimizing hurt. Forgiveness does not mean that it did not bore to the very core of your soul. 
It did. But forgiveness is allowing God to fill you up again. To heal that wound. A few years ago, I heard a story, I think it was on the radio, but I'm not really sure where. It was about a family whose son, I think who was under 10, very young, was killed in an accident by another, by a car, by a driver, and basically the driver was at fault. And I remember this story very clearly because I think just a few days afterwards, this family went to the person who hit their son and killed him and offered forgiveness. And said they forgive the person. And this was a cost of storm, you know, of people being like, how can they go so early just after it happened? How can they do that? Did their son not mean anything to them? And for me, it was like, you have no idea what they are going through. And their choice to forgive, I found it to be incredibly brave. It doesn't mean that their son didn't mean much to them. They loved him so dearly. And it didn't mean that the day they said, we forgive you, everything was going to be sunshine from that day on. There were going to be deep lows. There were going to be dark days ahead. But often I have found that forgiveness begins with a choice. We choose to forgive. And then as we go on that journey with God, our feelings catch up. Healing takes place. Transformation takes place. It is often not something that we do just once. Even when you forgive, you might wake up the next day raging. You might wake up the second day feeling a sense of peace and calm. I'm like, oh, this is great. Two days later, you're like, what happened to two days ago? I'm shaking again. And every time it happens, we give it to God. We submit to God and say, God, help me. With you, this is possible. I can do this. And when we stay on that path, ever seeking to fulfill God's will, he will transform us from the inside out. It might be a roller coaster, but it is possible with God's help. Another reason why sometimes we choose not to forgive is because we fear being hurt again. And it's understandable, right? We don't want to go through the same thing again, so we build up a wall. Even when we say we're forgiven, Right? And sometimes we mean it. We're like, we're, at least we mean it as much as we can. Without being like, okay, I've forgiven, but a barrier is going up here and it's not coming down for any reason. And so over time, we realize that we've built up walls around our lives in such a way that we can no longer freely experience fellowship and the mercy of God. Because the truth is... We, when we build up those barriers, they don't affect just that one relationship. They carry on to others as well. And that's why it's always like said in marriage counseling, for example, you know, that whatever that person, you're not just marrying that person, you're marrying all of their past as well. You know, we, we always carry that stuff with us. We choose to hold people at arm's length because we fear being hurt again. But the truth is, it takes courage. It takes the strength of God, this God's spirit, to allow us to be vulnerable again. 
And that's what relationship is all about. The most times that people impact us, that people touch our lives, or encourage us, it's usually out of their own vulnerability, out of their hurts, out of their weaknesses. Seldom out of their strengths. If you think about those times when someone really ministered to you or encouraged you as a friend, they were sharing a vulnerable part of themselves most of the time. And yeah, we are, you know, whenever there's relationship, there is hurt. And as we are all sinners, it is, you know, pre-programmed, as to say. And as we said last week, you know, we can imagine God telling us, I'm going to forgive you your sin, but I'm going to let you in through heaven by the back door. Be happy that you're going to be in heaven. But we are not going to have any fellowship anymore. I'm going to withdraw my spirit. So you can, your prayers, we're not talking anymore. Just be in your corner. I'll be here. You know, you can get into heaven and that's fine. You get your one court, sleeping quarters and you're saved. But we're not going to have any relationship anymore. That's not the kind of forgiveness we get from God. Often, that's what we give people. And I need to qualify this because I know that there are extenuating circumstances. I know that there are situations where we can't try to resume some sort of relationship. Right? There are cases where there's abuse. There are cases where there is temptation, where putting yourself in a circumstance is going to be counterproductive for everybody involved. I get it. There are extenuating circumstances. I'm speaking to those, all those other circumstances, which are the majority of circumstances most of the time. Where if we are honest with ourselves, where if we dig deep, we realize that we are building a wall that we can bring down by the grace of God. Examine yourself. And again, don't push them away when the Spirit of God is bringing those things to you. Because I know He does for me. Even just thinking about the sermon. It's like, He brings up those people, those circumstances where there is room for you to do more. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Sometimes we bury it well. Tell ourselves that it's all done and dealt with. We bury it sometimes so well that we can't even find it. But sometimes, you know, God allows us to understand ourselves, open a window to our own hearts to us, and bring up some of those things. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so I would like to close today by just giving some encouragement around forgiveness, around practicing forgiveness. Because we can talk about forgiveness in the abstract. But I think putting it in practice is where the benefits lie, not just understanding it. Because the Bible tells us we deceive ourselves when we do that. And the first thing is that forgiveness does take humility. Forgiveness does take humility. That giving up your right to be angry. That choosing to be the one to make the first step. It takes humility. Often there are feelings of pride. Unbeknownst to us, it's not conscious that are standing in our way. We hear often, we read in the Bible that our God is a humble God. 
And for me, it took many years for me to quite grasp this. Like, how is God humble, right? Like, God is the creator of the universe. He spoke the universe into being. What does it mean to say we have a humble God? And then when I looked into the aspect of God's forgiveness, I was blown away. Now, because we read throughout scripture, God chasing his people, right? We sin against God, we run away, and God runs after them. Even before God created us, he created a plan for salvation. When the children of Israel would sin and God would punish them, he would be like, oh no, my people have suffered enough, and he would run after them, punish them so that they can remember their God and come back to him. God is constantly chasing after us. How many of us do that in our relationships? And more than once or twice even. Like even for really close friends. Like, oh, if this person is going to be like that, fine, we're done. It's, you know, if you reflect in your life and think about our human relationships, how many times do we chase after people? Because we'll be like, oh, what does it mean? Does, does this person think I'm going to be begging for their friendship? If they want to be in my life, fine. If they don't want to be, okay. Right? That's what we say. But what is God's example? He chases after us. He goes after us time and time over again. It takes humility to truly forgive. Humility that is not in our nature, but humility that we can grow in. It takes God's help. Forgiveness, like I said, truly forgiving the way God forgives us is a tall order. It is difficult. But with the grace of God, it is possible. Because the Bible tells us in Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What that is saying is that it is God who makes you, one, willing, two, able to obey his commandments. So even the desire to obey God comes from God. That is how good our God is. He knows what's best for us and gives us the desire to do it. And then empowers us to do it. Number three, don't rely on your feelings. Our feelings change from day to day. And sometimes you might wake up one morning with a raw nerve being exposed again. And we start questioning if we have truly forgiven. Right? Because, like, if I've truly forgiven, why am I feeling this way? And the reason, I think, for many this happens, also myself included, is because there's this axiom that we all know, like, let's learn to forgive and forget, right? That's what we hear over and over. But in my life, I can tell you true forgiveness does not mean I've ever forgotten. In fact, the greater the offense, the more I can recall the details to this day and give you a timeline with dates and everything that happened. True forgiveness does not mean forgetting. And so we question and we say, have I really forgiven? I still remember this thing. No. But I can tell you what is better than forgetting. It's experiencing the healing of God. Being able to have that memory, but not the pain. Being able to know I can recall everything and still feel warmth towards the person who hurt me. That is way better than forgetting it, than blotting it out of our memory. Because, of course, that doesn't happen. The deeper the memory hurt, the more we remember it, actually. We don't forgive and forget. And so that's why it's dangerous to rely only on our feelings. 
Do what is right in spite of how you feel about it. You might wake up one morning and it might be, you know, the food from last night that is making you feel the way you feel today morning. And then by tomorrow, it's going to be a different feeling again. What we have that is better than our feelings is God's word, the truth, the standard on which we can build our lives. And don't get me wrong, this does not mean that your feelings are unimportant. They are. God made us to be emotional beings, so we have feelings. But what I'm saying is those feelings do not determine how we live. We do not live by our feelings, we live by the Spirit. And so as we grow in Christ, we let the God's Spirit override our feelings. Then we can learn to choose what is right, to forgive. And every time you feel that inkling to gossip about that hurt or to bring it up again or to offer a passive-aggressive remark in conversation with that person, to give a comment that only they would understand, but everybody else would think, oh, that was so harmless, but you know you're stabbing it in. You can hold it back. You can choose not to give in to that feeling. And when you keep choosing to do that, you grow in it, and very soon you realize you don't even want to do it anymore. Let's live by the word of God, not by our feelings. And as I said earlier, as we started, this begins, for the most part, with understanding and appreciating how much God has forgiven us. You know, we hear a lot of times this um, powerful testimonies of people who, you know, led lives that were so far away from God, let's say, and then had an encounter with God and were transformed. And for me personally, that was always like, oh, wow. You know, like, it's a really cool story, you know, how God can arrest someone's heart and transform them and draw them to himself. Because in my background, I grew up, you know, in the church. I was blessed to have, a, you know, parents who were Christians by the time I was born. So I grew up around the church. Christ has been as real to me as you are here from as far as I can remember. But over time, you know, I started praying a prayer, God, Help me to gain an appreciation. Because I always felt like, you know, when people would share their testimonies of how they came to Christ, I'd be like, yeah, I don't really have a, you know, anything, I don't have anything cool to share, right? Because I always looked at the ones who like, had stories, and I'd be like, wow, you know, that's amazing. But I began to pray and say, God, help me to gain an appreciation of my sinfulness, of how much you have forgiven me, of how much you can't tolerate my sin which I, I minimize, right? Because I think, oh yeah, this, are not, this is nothing moving. And over time, when you pray this prayer, I encourage you to pray it for yourself. And as God begins to open your eyes to how much you've been forgiven, I think for me, that was the thing that started challenging my own expression of forgiveness to others. Like how do I, how can I truly say I've forgiven when I know how much God has forgiven me. Then how can I stay at a shallow level? I must go deeper. And I'm not an expert in it. I'm very much on this journey as you are. Because like I said, every time you think, oh, I've just finished this one hill, God like shows you the next mountain and says, okay, yeah. Come deeper. Call us higher. So there is room to grow. If you're here today and you don't know the forgiveness of Christ, so if you're listening to me online, then I want to tell you today that God, who is a God of judgment, mercy, and forgiveness, 
has pronounced judgment on our sin and out of an overflowing of his mercy offers us forgiveness. A lot of times today, you know, there's a lot of things that are thrown around as conventional wisdom. A lot of people think they understand what Christianity is about, but they don't really when you start talking with people. And so if you have those questions, don't dismiss them. Seek the truth. Seek answers. Because if you truly seek, God tells us you would find. If you have not experienced the forgiveness of Christ, I urge you to do not let go of this matter. That is the fate of your soul that is in the balance. The judgment of sin is death, but Christ has paid the price for your sin so that we can live abundant, victorious lives. God is offering to wipe the slate clean so that we can begin a new chapter, we can begin a new leaf with him. And it's not going to be easy. It is going to be tough, actually. We are promised that temptation will come, that persecution will come, those who truly desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, we are told in Scripture. But it's going to be the most fulfilling thing you've ever done in your life. And if you already have a personal relationship with Christ, if you already walk in a place of forgiveness of your sins, then I praise God for your life. And I encourage you to seek to understand the forgiveness of God in your life even better so that you can grow in this. You can grow in forgiveness. You can grow in mercy. You can understand the judgment of sin. Begin that journey today. When you leave here, you know, if God has put someone in your heart, don't hesitate to make that phone call. Don't hesitate to pay that visit. Don't hesitate to take the first step. It might feel like you're putting yourself in the weaker position. It might feel like you're giving up something. But what lies on the other side is much, much valuable. I know this has not been an easy sermon to hear. It's not an easy one for me either. Because I come under the same convictions as you do as I speak. But let us do something about it. Let us take, it, take the words to heart and put them into practice. Because our God is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says no one comes to the Father except through him. He's a way maker and a miracle worker. And he can keep his promises. Amen. Today I'd like us to end with the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like us to say it slowly. I'd like you to follow me in saying it. We will go slower than usual. And as we pray, reflect on the words. Reflect on this prayer. Don't recite the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
please do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.